Hello and welcome back to this edition, episode four of Inside the Vault, a Carolina Panthers podcast. My name is Ryan Smith. I'm your host. This podcast brought to you by the Keep Pounding Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at Pounding underscore FSSN. And this podcast also powered by the Fans First Sports Network. Follow them on Twitter at FansFirstSN. And rate and subscribe to the Tobacco Road Sports Radio YouTube channel at youtube.com slash forward slash at Tobacco Radio. Well, episode four, uh, we're trying to bring you guests, all Panthers and everything about uh, inside the vault, if you will, and bring that belt of knowledge. So my guest today, he is the sports director of WJZY, including hosting shows such as Charlotte Sports Live and also the host of a podcast, A Relatable Journey. He is Will Conkle. Will, how's it going? Ryan, my man, it's going well, dude. It's uh, a rare day off during this time in training camp, and I appreciate you having me, man. Oh, yeah, it, it's certainly a pleasure. Let's uh, let's just jump right in. You've been to Spartanburg. You've also been to FanFest. Um, let's start with training camp and FanFest. We'll kind of just combine those. Um, what are your observations, takeaways on the Panthers so far through, we'll say, eight practices <laughs> up to this point? <laughs> You know, uh, to be fair to Bryce, he looks better than any quarterback we've had in camp since Cam was healthy, which was 2018, 16. Yeah, but certainly wasn't healthy 18 or at least he didn't. Yeah, 17 or 16. Yeah, something like that. I remember 18. We I think we came in thinking, can he throw the ball 35 yards? Right. That's not a good way to enter camp. That's definitely a bad way. (laughs) Um. So Bryce looks better than Sam Baker Cam to going into camp. Now, what does that mean? I, I don't know. So I've kind of reached this point of Bryce looks good. The offense seems to be communicating. He's got a connection with DJ Chark, but they've never played a game together. It's right. not reality. Uh, so let's kind of let's pump the brakes a little bit. To be fair, not only to them, but just because it's not reality. Um. But they look good. Like, that's good. It's better than looking bad. So that's something good to take away. And then the fan excitement is real. The oh, fan oh. excitement is so much more real than even last year. Because let's people now are like, oh, yeah, Baker, yeah, that was fun. Like, well, let's not act like we weren't excited when Baker came to camp last year. Like, everyone was very, very excited that Baker Mayfield was a legitimate NFL quarterback to save them from the quarterbacks they kept rotating in and out. It didn't work. And I don't think it didn't work because Baker wasn't good. That's a different conversation, but it didn't work. This excitement is very real. And I think most of that actually has to do with the coaching staff. So those are my takeaways so far from camp is thumbs up, but also those thumbs up mean very little right now. Yeah. Uh, like you said, I think pump the brakes is a good word to you, a phrase to use, just kind of um, having the expectation until we see some preseason games. And then maybe the first quarter of the season, I'd say is a kind of a good chunk to kind of see, okay, this team is good week one or bad week one, but that's not going to necessarily set the tone for the season. Let's see how they do win the first four to five weeks. Uh, we'll certainly get there down the road. Um, Panthers offensive line. Let's talk about that for a second. Cade Mays, it looks like is going to be the Austin Corbett replacement come week one. Uh, we're not, 100% sure I'm about, about that, but it looks like that is to be the case. Taylor Moten had a vet day uh, the other day, and uh, 
Bryce Young could certainly tell uh, Taylor Moten was sitting on the sidelines. Uh, he uh, threw the ball in frustration a few times onto the ground, spiking it. Um, what are your observations on the offensive line as a whole? Uh, not just Taylor Moten obviously missing that one practice, more just like what is the cohesion of the offensive line looking like? Uh, and in, is Cade Mays going to be that answer at right guard? I think it's Cade Mays right now. Chandler Zavala, once he gets back, has an opportunity to take that spot um, throughout preseason. And I, I hate to be this guy of like, yeah, no, the like Bryce Young and everyone looks good. Well, but then also pump the brakes, like even pump the brakes more on the offensive line now because there's just they don't do anything anymore in camp. So it's like saying, how do the linebackers look? I, I have no idea. Like they don't tackle. Like I, I have no idea. There's no pass rush. So I don't know how the offensive line looks. And that's not me to say it's a bad question because it's if these are the questions you go into camp being like, all right, how is this actually looking? Yeah. And it's evolved over the last few years of, you know what? The answer is I have no idea. And someone that tells you they know is selling you a, a bag of BS and probably wants to make a lot of news on Twitter and draw attention to themselves. If someone's being honest, they're going to say, like, it's not bad, so that's good, or it's not good, and that's really not good. But also, I don't know. And that's kind of, I think, where we sit right now with the offensive line because they're not facing anybody significant, and they're not full contact, and they're not trying to actually protect the quarterback, and they're going through protection schemes. They're trying to learn things, and Frank mentioned that about Bryce. Like, I want Bryce to throw that ball that he wouldn't throw in the game. See what he can do. Push your limits. So if you're – if your barometer is he had three interceptions on day, whatever, then he failed like bad day for Bryce. Is it, or do you need to go a little deeper and say, Oh, okay. He threw a ball that he would never throw. He threw another ball. He would never throw. And he's trying new things to just figure things out. And tr training camp's not about winning training camp's about learning the system, communicating and learning your guys. And then preseason you play a little bit of football, but even then you don't play a lot of football. So the preseason is now like week one through three in the NFL which has led us to some very bad football around the league. So it, it sucks, but I can't give you a good answer about that offense. That's a really long-winded way of saying nothing's bad, so that's good, but we don't really know yet. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, building that chemistry, you mentioned that uh, with Bryce and his receivers. DJ Chark and him just seem to be hooking up every practice. I don't know if that is, like you said, maybe the defense is not playing at 100% or they just have a really good connection so far. I mean, Frank Reich talked about it. they're two smart football players um, and they know how to, uh, they seem to have that connection down. So um, talk about Bryce and that chemistry, not just with Chark specifically, but also with the, all the receivers and how that's looking so far. So here's the good thing with him and Chark. Every ball that Chark has made a great catch on has been a beautiful ball. And every beautiful ball that's been thrown, he's made a great body adjustment type throw. So it's not like him just running free and catching the ball. It's been a guy on him. He's adjusted his body and kind of gone to the ground to make a great catch. So there's been some good aspects within those throws that you can't make up. And you, with defense good or defense bad, it's still good to see. At the same time, like Adam Thielen's kind of been not around in training camp and that that's not going to happen in reality. Like Adam Thielen is a proven veteran in the NFL. That's going to be relevant when the season starts. So I, like how much you want to like that pie chart. I don't know how much you want to just write off Adam Thielen and make him a sliver. Probably not. Wouldn't be yeah. smart. Um, so the good thing about him and Chark is that the connection has made, some very good throws and some very good catches. 
whatever the surrounding circumstances are, you can come up with yourself, but nonetheless, very good catches. And Sharks looked healthy, and I think that's the most important part so far. Yeah. Um, training camp battles um, throughout the preseason, and obviously we know some starters aren't going to be playing, um, and so certain positions, um, they're only going to be uh, specific battles. So talk about um, some of those specific battles that you're looking for throughout this preseason and getting decided. Uh, obviously, we mentioned right guard already. Uh, there might be one on the defensive end. Uh, maybe a running back behind Miles Sanders. Uh, talk to me about some of those training camp battles that you're looking for as the preseason goes on and, and we get it towards the regular season. So I think there's two of them. And the obvious one is who's opposite Brian Burns. And that's one we're not going to see in training camp. We will not – no one is going to make enough plays in training camp because you can't make plays in training camp. That matters. So no one's winning that job in training camp. You're going in the preseason, and who makes the most splash plays in the preseason? Is it Marquez, Marquise Haynes? Is it Amari Barno? Is, is it Utoris Gross Matos? We have no idea. We'll find out. That's not a training camp battle. Now, the ride receiver position is kind of interesting to me. Um, who's wide receiver one, two, and three? I don't think we really know. I think we assume – Adam's going to be number one just by default, but who knows the playbook, who can learn the playbook, who can run the routes properly, who can run a full route tree. Like LaVisca Chanel, for instance, is an absolute weapon, but he's not wide receiver one, two, or three because he doesn't run that full route tree, but he can be in the backfield and still see more snaps than those guys. It's kind of an interesting wide receiver room from the standpoint of you don't have a whole bunch of, full route tree guys that are an X and a Y and in a slot. You got Adam who does his thing. You got Mingo who we think might do one thing. We have Chenault who moves all around, does his thing. Uh, who else is there? Terrence Marshall Jr. Terrence Marshall Jr. Will he catch on? Like, will he actually be the guy we think he's going to be? Can he run the full route tree? Is he more of a jumping jump ball guy? Um, we don't know. Then obviously Hayden Hurst. So it's an it's one of the more intriguing wide receiver rooms I think I've ever seen in the NFL from the standpoint of you're you've got a whole bunch of guys that can do their own thing well. And if you use them well, could be really fun to watch. But at the end of the day, it's like basketball. You want a guy that go out and gets his own shot, right? Like you want a guy to go one on one and get his own shot. Who's that Jamar Chase? Who's that Justin Jefferson? Who's that Jerry Rice? Who's the Terrell Owens? Who's the dude that's gonna go make that play? It, you spread the ball around is great and actually makes it easier on the quarterback throughout the course of the game and the season on the final drive where are you going and who can you count on every single time and i don't know that that guy exists right now yeah and we didn't even mention uh demir bird we didn't mention shy smith uh some people would say shy is on the bubble uh some people would say demir bird might be more of a kick return punt return guy you know, he burned us in Atlanta last year, so we know he can still fly. So, um, yeah, those, and those are fun questions to the base, but like, it doesn't matter. You know, that guy's not going to be the make or break. And that's not to say it doesn't matter, but it figure out the one, two, three, and then worry about four, five, six. Sure, sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, diving into the rookie class a little bit more uh, outside of Bryce Young, let's put him out of your mind for a second. I know that's hard to do. Uh, impressions. On the rookies outside of Bryce Young, how are they looking? Obviously, we know Jonathan Mingo a little bit. Chandler Zavala's hurt. Um, Jimmy Robinson, we've heard different things. Can he be that focal piece in the secondary? But he's got a lot of competition there. And then, obviously, DJ Johnson, an older player out of Oregon. Can he crack that rotation as a rookie and uh, really learn the playbook? 
So let's start with Mingo. I think the potential is definitely there. What does that potential mean? I don't know. We'll, we'll figure out. Like some guys are as good as they allow themselves to be, or as as much as they don't want to go out and party versus working out versus doing X, Y, or Z. So we'll find out. Um, who else is there? Zavala, we haven't seen yet. Um, Jamie Robinson is the one that's intriguing to me because I've watched him sporadically and he's, he is, uh, he's violent. He's a violent player. He's a physical player. He's a, he's a guy that wants to make himself known, but he can't do that in training camp. So it's interesting to watch him try to be physical with his hands and grabbing at the ball and trying to make a strip off of a catch because you got to kind of make them let the, let them make the catch. But then you can be physical up to a certain degree, and you're not in pads. So I'm interested to keep an eye on him. DJ Johnson, I've talked to guys that have played in the league before, and they watch him and they say, really tight hips. There's just no way he's going to have a pass rush. And that could be completely wrong. Scouts have been wrong. Head coaches have been wrong. Hall of Famers have been wrong. Though I haven't watched them closely enough personally. But guys say it just ain't there is what I've been told. So we'll find out. I hope, I hope they're all wrong, right? Yep, yep. We'll certainly find out there. Um, free agency. I've asked this uh, simple question to everyone who's come on so far in a, a different way. Um, a lot of names, Von Bell, Miles Sanders, DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, Hayden Hurst. We can go down the line. Best signing in your eyes for this team uh, right now? So the most important signing is Miles. If Miles isn't good, then just forget about it. Like the season's a wrap, the season's a wash. You don't have a running back that is an absolute needs to be a star. Like that guy has to be good. Someone like Hayden Hurst, if he's good, then like you can go to the next level. But that'd be great. Von Bell might be the most important signing from the standpoint of the domino effect is that Jeremy can can drop down in the box. You have a better safety. Your secondary gets that much stronger. You add that depth and you add the veteran experience. So it's a way to answer that question from a different perspectives because I think each signing is different, but the, if miles, we had this on Charlotte sports live the other night, miles is the most important off season signing in my mind, because if he's not good, then what? Then you have a massive gap at arguably the most important position with a rookie quarterback, because he's going to have to catch balls out of the backfield. It's not just running. He's going to be like a Christian McCaffrey from the standpoint of he's, going to do a lot like his role will be expanded with the Panthers versus what it was with the Eagles at least I expect it to be yep um coaching staff uh we had the Rivera years we had the Matt Rule years and now we have the Frank Reich era just beginning and not just Frank Reich it seems like um everyone has talked about this coaching staff being so impressive Thomas Brown coming from the Rams Jim Caldwell Deuce Staley from the Eagles and then the Lions, Jarrah Avera from the Broncos, Josh McCowan, uh, high school coach or offensive coordinator, and now NFL offensive coordinator so, or uh, QB coach. So uh, a lot of ways I could go with this question, but where do you see this coaching staff um, and, and how important a role are they going to play this year? What coach do you feel like might be the most vital to our success? Oh my gosh, this coaching staff might be the most important coaching staff. You know, I know we're obviously biased, but like in the league, from the standpoint of they have a rookie quarterback in a bad division with the potential to have some success. But if you don't put these guys in the right position, which is all coaching, then just write it all off, forget about it. 
which I don't think is going to be an issue. I, I truly have full confidence in this coaching staff because they're not doing it their way or the highway. They're doing it the best one they've seen it and they've done it and they've been there. So like they're trustworthy. This is not a coaching staff coming in from college, trying to like implement their way in the NFL. It just doesn't work. Uh, but Frank, so it all starts with Frank. Everything starts with Frank and it trickles down and he coaches his, he trusts his coaches. And that's so important. That's Let big. your coaches do what you hired them to do. And every player that I've talked to has told me that as well. Averro's important in his own way in implementing the defense. And that's the, that's going to be the biggest unknown from the standpoint of square peg round hole because he's implementing the three, four with guys that aren't necessarily ready for the three, four or fit the three, four, like Etor. Some guys are out of position. They're not fully built around that three, four quite yet. Um, some other guys are going to be much better in the three, four, like Ryan and Jeremy. So they haven't built this roster around the three, four yet. So there's going to be some question marks there. Thomas Brown. No, I, I honestly have no questions around him or Frank. Frank's going to be calling the calls making the calls and they are no egos involved. They're ready to figure this thing out and put the guys in position. So, um, yeah, like these, this is the right coaching staff for this team right now. And because they've been there, they've done that and they're not ego maniacal. And that's so important with a young team or we are a young quarterback. Yeah. And, and I didn't even mention Deuce Staley, who has a uh, history with Miles Sanders in Philadelphia, who you mentioned, you think is the most important signing is Miles Sanders. So that also cannot hurt from a coaching standpoint uh, with Miles Sanders having Deuce back with him. No, it doesn't hurt. I don't know that it does anything. Like, like if we had a different coach for Deuce, is that where it was like, oh my gosh, is Miles going to be okay? Like probably right. not, right? So I, I think it may have played a role in him getting here, maybe, but then dollars, like there's no, like Miles got a lot of money to come here. So he's coming here for the money. Yeah. Um, yeah. So who knows, you know? Yeah. Um, Brian Burns, I've asked this question to also most people uh, that have come on this podcast so far. New contract. What do you know? <laughs> I know more than I'm going to tell you. And I also know that they are going to both want to figure this out. Brian has the potential to make a lot more money than he's getting offered. And so where do you kind of balance it? Like, how do you figure that what's bad? How do you, like if Brian gets hurt, then what? Then he gets nothing. But if he has a monster year this year, then he gets a lot more than he has right now. But here's what I'll here's what I'll say is that Brian needs to no longer be what Brian Burns has been, because Brian Burns has been above average. Brian Burns wants Nick Bosa and TJ Moore. He wants to be one of those type of guys. Well, that means 18 sacks a season. It means no more fumble, no more sacks, but strip sacks. And that means no more strip sacks, but fumble recoveries. It doesn't, no more batted balls, but interceptions. You know, there, there's a scoop and score at least twice, at least once a year, if not twice. So game changing plays consistently, never disappearing. And he has that ability. So it's yeah. a matter of weighing and where and, all right, you know, you kind of stop it and we're amenable here. So, yeah. But I, there, I, he's going to end up here, is my guess. Oh, yeah. Um, Wrong, we'll yes. get, yeah. We'll look a uh, couple questions about the preseason. We'll get some predictions, and we'll get you out of here. Um, but before that, undrafted free agents, guys who are at the bottom of the roster. Uh, one guy that's been um, – I talked about Kobe Jones the other day, but another guy that has been really good is uh, Leota. Uh, Ifu Leota, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, uh, sure. Talk to me about like. talk to me about some of those guys that you're seeing that um, – Maybe we didn't come into camp saying, I think that guy's going to 
do some things uh, on this team. Uh, talk to me about some of those guys that you're seeing. They've looked good. And here's my – and I played this all podcast, and it's really boring. I get that because it's not like there's no hot takes, and, and maybe that's boring for people. But C.J. Saunders looks awesome in camp. Derek Wright looks awesome in camp. They have looked awesome in camp for years. Camp's kind of structured for everyone to look good, and everyone's a really good football player. Like C.J. Saunders is a really good football player. He played football at Ohio State and is now in the NFL trying to make the team. But maybe there's not a spot for him, so he doesn't even make the team. So I just I don't know about these guys until they get into live fire because they're all really good football players. And that's the thing is it's a very small margin between making a roster and then if you make the roster, you actually have an opportunity to be a special player. Someone like Gardner Minshew was like a nobody. Then all of a sudden he had just an opportunity and lit the world on fire. Brock Purdy was the last pick in the draft. Got an opportunity on the right team in the right moment with the best coach in the league schematically and blew the world on fire. Like it was unbelievable. I think that last part is what a lot of people would say is best coach in the league schematically. Um, okay. but look, look at the talent around him too. But anyway, this is a Panthers podcast. Wait, isn't that what it's all about? <laughs> isn't that what, like no one's who's the best player to ever be on the worst team that did nothing. Like, I don't even know who, who, who would that be? Like, yeah. It doesn't every. Every quarterback's had every great quarterback's had great receivers or a great coach. Like Dan Marino never won a World Super Bowl, but he's got the winningest coach of all time on his side. Like it's all about the pairing and the matching. Yep. Like Sam Darnold is going to go out to the same to to the 49ers. And if he plays, he's going to look much better than he did here. But it's not because he's bad. It's because the coaching staff couldn't figure anything out. And now he's in a system where they figure everything out. So he's going to look significantly better. He went to the Jets to the like, to a bad coaching staff with the Panthers. Like, he's going to look bad, but that's what life is about. If you go to a job, or if I go to a job, and we're, we're put in a position to work a job that we don't even like but want to do, and we're, we're set up to fail, we will fail. Yeah. I mean, I think I think he went on a podcast and said, guys are always open in San Francisco <laughs> in this offense. Yeah. So it's uh, it's like a night difference, like you said. Um, and ironically, you know what's funny is Sam signed there. He said he's signed there. and he's, Are you saying that's what Sam said? That's what Sam said on the podcast. Okay, because I said that actually on a, on previously. I was like, guys, you're just always open. Guys always are open because they get – not because they get open, guys, the coaches put them open, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, preseason coming up with the Jets here shortly, joint practices with the Jets, and then uh, a few more preseason games after that. What are you looking for in the preseason? Give me two, three things you're looking for. Um, offense, defense, special teams. What are you looking for? physicality, real football. I want to see who makes plays. This is truly, and no more the, you know, we'll kind of see and nothing's happened type of talk. But throughout these this, these two practices, the joint practices, the competition will ramp, ramp up. The physicality is not going to be 100%, but it's going to be enough to start seeing a little bit more of like who's got that dog in them and who's ready for this and who's going to put themselves at least in a position to succeed, not necessarily make the play because you can't always make the play in training camp. And then in preseason, just flat out who makes the plays. I, I don't. It doesn't matter anything else. Who makes the plays? Who's making themselves heard out there? And and that's who will kind of get those last couple spots because we come into camp knowing basically who's making the roster outside of maybe two guys, like like maybe. Yeah. Um. We just found out. Oh, we just go. found out. No, you're good. Um. Go ahead. We're, we're... No, 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 no. You guys, you were okay. Perfect. 
got it. Um, we just found out uh, the other day that Alvin Kamara is going to be missing three games to start the year, including uh, I think we play Monday Night Football against the Saints. Week two, Monday Night Football. I, yeah. I think so. Uh, how big is that for this team? Um, how, how big is that? Well, it doesn't hurt. You know, like <laughs> certainly good. But it's one of those situations where we traded Chris McCaffrey away and then won a whole bunch of games. So, yeah, I think they got Jamal Williams now, uh, 17 yeah, touchdowns like last they're gonna year. They're going to be competent. They're not going to just be like, oh, my gosh, how do we move the ball? They're right. going to be competent. They got the best quarterback in, in the division, at least going into the season. And they're going to be a good football team. you yeah. got to still execute like it's an NFL team. And I know that's a boring answer again, but it, it certainly helps. It certainly helps. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have the schedule right in front of you. Otherwise, I can uh, I can enlighten you really quick. Okay, gotcha. um, what would you say um, you, you can kind of pick out, but what is your toughest stretch uh, of the season, you think, from this schedule? Um, obviously, two division games to start the year is going to be big. Whether you split those or go 2-0 would be even better. But um, where would you say is, is going to be a tough stretch and what is it going to define uh, the season for the Panthers? Um, probably Seattle, Minnesota, Detroit, Miami. Yep, that's what everyone New Orleans. I mean, shoot. But the first, up until the bye week, first six weeks, because not that Atlanta's really good, but they might be better than the Panthers because Atlanta. We really don't know. Desmond Ritter is a. uh, They're not, no. They don't suck. I'll tell you that. And the New Orleans certainly doesn't suck. Seattle, I'm writing that off as a loss automatically just because they were a better team than us last year and we went out there and manhandled them. And I won't bet on it twice in a row. Like, there's just, it's one of those things of like, who won the Masters last year? Well, I'm not picking that guy, whoever right. won. It's just, and then Minnesota's a good team, Detroit's a good team, Miami's a good team, and those eight games are on the road. So, the first six weeks of the season, you here's the good thing is you play in a division where you, you're still going to be alive after week seven. And that's all you can ask for. And then you had a stretch where you play Houston, Indianapolis, Chicago could be a good team. So, you could get some wins coming out of the bye week, but. First six weeks, you're going to set yourself up in a situation where you got to win a whole ton, or you're still like you're you're looking good. Yeah. Well, um, well, this has been fun. Let's do some predictions, and we'll get you out of here. Um, you got to give me a player. I know uh, this can't be boring. Uh, okay. uh, the All fans right, want the, the fans want some predictions. Um, who leads the team in tackles? God, I'm trying. Uh, Frankie. Frankie, Frankie Louvu, uh, yeah, as Frankie Frank Wright calls the steal of the century, as he said the other day. Yeah, for real, though. <laughs> uh, who leads the team in interceptions? Jace, they don't throw at JC. That's the problem. It's Von Bell. Von Bell. That's a good one. I, I like that. Uh, I like Louvu, too. Who leads uh, in touchdowns? Miles. Yeah, that I, I I have to agree with that. I I, I was almost yeah. gonna say Thielen, but I, I think Miles is a good one. Um, I don't think. Yeah, I know. Uh, best rookie outside of Bryce Young. <laughs> um, I'll go with Mingo, but back half of the season. Okay. Uh, this can be a second year player, or it can be a player. Um you know, more a veteran guy, a uh, player who takes the biggest leap this year. Gosh, I'm like running through everything. Um, I don't know what year he is, but Marquise Haynes, I, I know he's been around forever though. So I don't he's know like five-year player. I want to say five, six-year player, something like that. Maybe, maybe I'll, may, I might be wrong on that, but uh, out of Ole Miss, I know that. Um, 
Okay. Um, God, I don't. I don't want that to be my answer. <laughs> you can change. This oh, is a man. this is a podcast. We got time. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. Like going through young guys. There's not a lot of young guys like there used to be on this team. It used to be all the young guys. JC's no longer young. Derek Brown is no longer young. Frankie and Shaq and Dante. No, they're old now. I'll, old. I know. I know. I'm the host. I'll give you my answer. Derek Brown is my answer. Okay. So I. Okay. I thought last year was his jump year. Would have been a jump year, and it was. Like he was so much. Better I think he's going to take another jump this year in this. Okay. In this offense, with this. And coach. I don't. I have no. I think that's like. I think that's a perfect answer. Now here's the thing: he has to get sacks. The he only does. way he becomes better is he be, he becomes at least an eight nine sack guy, right? Right. Right. So, yeah. I mean, you know what? I'll say Terrace. I'll just say Terrace puts it together, and because if he does, I love that good. answer, and I hope you are right. I because if he he's one of those guys that if he puts it together, this team goes to the next level. It does. It does. Big um, time. It big time. You are right. Um, finally. Uh, you know, oh, uh, one more. Uh, Miles Sanders or DJ Chark, who finishes, um, statistically as a whole, not just touchdowns, but yards, everything. Miles Miles by a mile, yeah, miles by 10 miles, barring injury, barring injury. That's the key, yeah, for sure. Because that ball from Bryce's hands, and that's nothing to do with DJ, that ball is going to be spread around so much. Yeah. And including Miles. Yeah. All right. Well, last one. I know you're going to um, hate me or love me. I don't know. Uh, season record. Uh, what's your prediction? And I, I'm going to say what it keeps sticking in my mind, and it's seven wins. And that's and I think they're a significantly better team than last year, but this, this schedule sucks. Yeah. Like, if you played this team last year with this coaching staff? Nine wins, maybe ten. See, I, I, I'm, I'm nine and eight is what I've been saying, so that's what I'm sticking with. Uh, Man, I would love it. I'll t- I would love it truly. But it's at, at some point, it's like prove it to me, and then I'll say I'd rather say I'm wrong versus sure. willingly going down the same path every yep. friggin' year of me saying eight, nine, maybe ten. Right? So you know what? It's seven until you tell me otherwise. Well, uh, that's what I got. Uh, as I said at the top, uh, my guest today has been Will Kunkel. He is the sports director of WJZY, including shows such as Charlotte Sports Live and host of the podcast, A Relatable Journey. Uh, Will, um, thanks for coming on today here on Inside the Vault of Carolina Panthers podcast. Uh, anything else you'd like to plug uh, since we got you? I mean, just listen to my podcast, a Relatable Journey, and I, I would greatly appreciate that. I talk to uh, athletes about their struggles in life and their relationship with God because they are human beings, and they're just—they're more than people than you that you rip on Twitter and draft your fantasy. They have—they have a whole lot going on, just like you and I, man. Yep, and you can follow him on Twitter or X at this point uh, at Will Kunkel Fox uh, is where you can find his work. Uh, he always does a good job, and we uh, are thankful for him and what he is doing uh, for the Panthers and, and their coverage. Uh, Will try to stay uh, uh, out of the heat in Spartanburg yeah, or Charlotte, right. wherever you go. <laughs> and uh, thank you for coming on today here on Inside the Ball. Man, much love. I appreciate you, brother. And uh, that will wrap up this edition of Inside the Vault. Uh, My name is Ryan Smith, your host. Uh, We'll see you next time once again. uh, This podcast powered 
uh, by the Fans First Sports Network. Follow them on Twitter at FansFirstSN and brought to you here on the Keep Pounding Podcast Network on Twitter at KPPounding underscore FSSN. We'll see you next time.